This is Kyle Hebert, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter. The answer lies in the heart of battle. And you're listening to the Happy Haven Hadouken! Alright. Alright. Hey guys, All right. it's Saturday morning, and we are the Happy Haven. As always, I am Jason Gnarly Canary. <laughs> and I am Steps. Oh, I was going to say, today we are talking to yeah. filmmaker and Mutant League football Kickstarter, Rob McCollum. What's up, dude? Not much, man. I really appreciate you guys calling me, and uh, like we were chatting off air, it's cool to be able to get up at 7.30 and talk video <laughs> games and everything pop culture and stuff. I love it, man. If there's any a reason. tank full of coffee here, ready to go. There you go. If there's any reason yeah, to get up this true. early, it's to talk about video games. Yes, sir. Or anything <laughs> nerdy. That's true. <laughs> That is true. So I imagine it's been a crazy week for you guys with the Kickstarter going, and I saw you guys smash straight through the actual goal, and now you guys seem to be just flying through some of the the stretch goals even. Yeah, well, it's not just been like a crazy week. It's been a really whirlwind uh, whole process. Um, I'll try to give you the 60-second the version of how all this started for me. I'm, I'm a filmmaker, as you guys say, and, and I'm doing a docu-series called Box Art, a gaming docu-series that looks at cover artists for all our favorite games growing up because not many people know who the illustrators were that did those iconic covers because they were never able to sign their name to them. Right. So one of the people I came across was Michael Mendheim, who worked for Sunsoft and did a lot of art for the Sunsoft boxes. So I interviewed him for the series. And while I was there, he's like, hey, man, why don't you come check out this game I'm working on? Maybe you remember it. You're into the retro stuff, and we're, we're kind of rebooting it. So I was like, okay. So he brings me up to his office, and all of a sudden there's the new version of Mutant Football League. And my jaw just hit the floor. I'm like, <laughs> That's man, awesome. this is so cool. He's like, yeah, you know, we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm like, well, you're doing a Kickstarter for it, aren't you? And he's like, well... We had some trouble with Kickstarter, and we're a little gun shy about going back to that. It just didn't work out. Let me show. Let me let me show you the campaign video. And he showed me the previous campaign video and his campaign. I'm like, look, man, this is a no brainer. We need to go to Kickstarter. I will help you. I've done like six or seven successful campaigns already. I wow, know that's kind of how Kickstarter works. I'm into the pop culture scene. Clearly, I'm into the video game space as well. We need to team up and do this. He's like, well, let me think about it. And that was like early November. It was like election day that I interviewed him, actually. And uh, so some time passes because they were trying to talk with some different publishers and developers about different ways to position it. And eventually he said, you know what? We're going to do Kickstarter. And Rob, we want you on board. So this was like two or three days after Christmas. So we've been going nonstop since basically New Year's uh, in full earnest just to get the campaign up and ready. All the art you see on the page takes time to sort out all the copy, all the rewards, all the pricing, and then planning out the campaign. So it's been a really busy week for everybody, but it's been a hugely busy month for us. And, you know, the greatest reward for that hard work is seeing how quickly we were able to smash that goal in like three and a half days. And now we've already gone through six stretch goals as of last night, which just introduced a new character species to the uh, the gruesome gridiron, if you will. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Congrats on crushing it. Yeah, thanks. Well, you know, uh, the team wanted it out there, and there was a lot of discussion about, you know, should we go for, you know, $130,000, $150,000 goal, because that's kind of what they raised last time, or do mm-hmm. we just essentially get the game out there and let, you know, the fans kind of help us pick and choose what gets added on so that we don't ship with something that somebody might not think is cool, like we think is cool, and I said, well, right. 
you know, there's 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 pros and cons for each man. Like I love yeah. a fully packed game when it comes out with every mode that you know we all expect from the AAA publishers and developers. But as a fan and as a Kickstarter supporter, I like to have my say in where the, that money yeah. gets spent and what we do with it. So I said, let's go for a more scaled down version, and then let's see if we can hit it, and then how much time we have left once we do. So we have the unfortunate problem of hitting our goal really quickly, oh, yeah. and we had to switch our narrative to. Okay, what's the story we're going to tell and what are all the stretch goals? And, and the whole team in Kiev and Michael have done a, a fantastic job getting the art and figuring out what is actually possible to do. And so these stretch goals aren't hugely spaced apart, too, as you guys may notice. Yeah. They're like, you know, three or $4,000 apart. And right now we're tracking, I think, almost at 2500 a day for people, you know, that are topping up their pledges or new people that are coming in. So it's That's really amazing. exciting. For, yeah. yeah. Really exciting. I hope you guys hit that final goal i want that full season oh uh, dude so do i, I. So Believe me, this this is the thing right this was the big thing that we talked about it's like can we ship it without a full season or can we not and we just posted an update so let me let me help clarify too the game will get a full season okay that no matter what it will get a full season the difference is will it have a full season when it gets in your hands when the game is done or right. will it be several months later because we've had to take care of other things that are, you know, more important like bugs and fixes and glitches before yeah. we can turn our attention to a full season kind of downloadable update kind of scenario. Uh, so it's coming. It's just a matter of if we hit that goal, then we can bring on people like now to make that happen. Right. So that you yeah. get to play a full season kind of like out of the package. Okay. That's awesome. And, you know, the other thing too with that update, it was like, there was a time a couple months ago where the team really had to make a decision between, you know, focusing their efforts on multiplayer stuff so everybody could play with their friends online and local or to do a yeah. full season and kind of reward that solo experience. And, you know, if you guys have been keeping up with video game stuff for the last two or three years, we know oh, that yeah. that is a hot button debate with a lot of people. Look at something like Titanfall, right? Look at something like Battlefield yeah. for, with, with Star Wars, right? Like if they're multiplayer only games and they do well enough, but then everybody cries you know, murder when there's no solo player experience, but people right. that have solo experience cry murder when there's no multiplayer. So it's, so it's kind of like a lose, lose situation in some way, but we knew coming to Kickstarter was only going to be a win-win and it would allow us to see what the fans wanted when they wanted and how they wanted it. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Titanfall, I didn't hate on Titanfall too much cause it was content heavy and they, and it was a thriving community. They did regular updates and added stuff. But yeah, man, that Battlefront, that that still is bare bones as you can get. I mean, yeah. you charge someone sixty bucks for a game, and then you're like, well, for twenty bucks more in six months, you can play on the Death Star. For twenty bucks more six months after that, you can play on Jakku. Well, that's just said, like twenty dollars more, <laughs> you get to play on the Death Star that you played on every Star Wars every game. every Star Wars game. Wait, did we get a Hoth level? Oh wait, oh, that please. Game packed in. Yeah, exactly. Hoth, <laughs> what do you? That's like. <laughs> I heard it's cold. <laughs> but yeah, man. Like, I'm I'm excited for this. You, I mean, I'm I was born in '81, so I am a Nintendo kid, basically from like four or five years old. Right. Um, I saw a thing go by about Blaster Master the other day, and was like, because <gasps> that game was like, holy cow! <laughs> like, you can get out of the tank, and then you're a dude, and then you get back in the tank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, seeing 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 the old games get 
lovingly remembered and getting these updates is just awesome for me anyway. Yeah, Yeah, and that's what's kind of cool about this too, right? It's not just like a refresh where it's the same kind of thing and, you know, prettier graphics. It's like a whole new design game that brings the concept forward to where we are now. So it can really cater to what gamers are used to, especially in a sports kind of NFL blitz, NBA jam kind of like off-the-wall hyper reality. Oh, see, you said it. You said NBA Jam. The fact that you guys have the announcer. Tim Kitzer, yeah. NBA Jam doing the announcing. Yeah, he's doing uh, our voice. Yeah, he's, he's, I, our, he's one of our announcers. We have a color commentary uh, individual as well, but he passed away uh, just after recording his lines, unfortunately. But Tim Kitzer oh, is man. completely involved. And uh, it's when I found that out, I'm like, because I got to see a lot of this stuff before everyone else, right? Uh-huh. Right. I'm hearing the video, I'm like, wait a second, that voice sounds... So familiar. Is he on fire? Like, say, oh, like downtown. Yeah. <laughs> I see to hear boom shakalaka just one time in the game. Well, That's that is awesome. So, and this is one of the things that this game brings that a lot of games don't even tread on. And that's a sense of humor and not taking itself too seriously. Like, yeah. we have Tim talking about Bomb Shady's soft balls being deflated and stuff like that, for example. <laughs> and, like, Eat that there, Patriots all, fans. Yeah, exactly. There's a whole bunch of like, <laughs> lewd kind of PG-13 humor. There is some swearing in there. You can toggle it on and off depending on if you've got some kids around or, or if kids are going to play it, which is cool. But, yeah, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And, I mean, this is Mutant Football League, yeah. right? It shouldn't be like ESPN. It should be no. a little little crass, I think. You mean it won't be like a DCEU version where all the costumes are muted and everybody's just depressed to have their superpowers? It's actually going to be happy? It's going to be in-your-face, colorful, splashy, and memorable, and create an impact that doesn't leave your heart or mind. Yeah. We'll have a video coming up on YouTube of the the demo and playing that sneak peek. It is so much fun, and it is such... Uh, it just reminds me so much of playing the original and the blood and the humor. And, um, and this is free alpha too, right? Yeah. And this is the other thing that like the team was like, do we offer a demo? I'm like, yeah, you offer oh, yeah. a demo because that's going to be like the tipping point. It's like, it's cool that people can see video and see how far the game is, but when they get it in their hands, and for everybody that's listening, if you don't know, go to kickstarter.com, search out Mutant Football League for a dollar. So basically the second you become a backer, and there's some legal reasons behind that that are kind of tied to Steam and how that's going to be released later. But you have to be a backer, it costs you a dollar, and you get to play the demo. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty good deal. That's like me releasing a film on Kickstarter and saying, for a dollar, you get to watch the first ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I haven't been in that situation yet, so these guys were, and I said, all right, you need to put the icing on the cake and give everybody a little taste of the, of the juice. Yeah, I love that yeah, for a dollar, you gave everybody a chance to play the game and then decide for themselves. And I promise yep. everybody listening, if you pay that dollar, you will not be sorry and you will go back and you will donate more. I have yep. personally, it's, I can't wait for it to come out. I'm just that I have to wait till uh, spring of next year for it to come out on the Xbox. Well, I'm a console guy too, right? Yeah. I told these guys from the get go and they were going to originally kind of make the console stuff stretch goals as well. I'm like, you do not do that. There are too many console players out there. Do not divide your community. So on first in, on first peak, it looks like a PC-only game. That yeah. may go to right. I'm like, we need to make sure that this is a console-inclusive environment so yeah. that it's PC, which is desperate for like sports fun games like this. Uh-huh. 
and then like you know the console fans that really love this stuff to begin with. So yeah, it was it was a major point as a guy who wants it on console. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I, maybe my own agenda, but I really want right. It yeah, that was the only well, thing that, I stopped to look at. Well, thanks for having your own agenda too, because I'm console only. So. Uh, yeah, well that's cool, man. I, I get it, and you know like. I can't download the demo because I don't have a PC, and you know, figuring out those specs and stuff is a little above my pay grade. So I just want something that's simple and easy. Play it on my PS4, ready to rock and roll, trash talk with friends, and, and watch them get you know cut in half by chainsaws on the 50 yard line. Exactly. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, saw that you guys hit 80,000, so that means we're gonna get the steampunk field too. Oh, did we just hit it? I know we were at yeah. 79.9 before we started. Oh, look at that. I'm just refreshing right now. I'd say I just refreshed it. Yeah, we're at $80,081, so just above that mark. I was really hoping we'd – of course, I want you guys to hit all of them, but that steampunk field, I want to see that. Well, I want, that's going to be great, and I, I really want to get to that $95,000 stretch goal too, which isn't you know $15,000 oh, yeah. in 23 days. It feels reasonable at the current rate, and we and I mean there's a lot of work that we got to do too, right? Like we're still yeah. pushing it out to press. We're still you know trying to talk and engage with fans, so we're not just waiting for everybody to dump money on us. We know that this is as soon as people see it and as soon as people play it. They like it. So we got to make sure that new people get to see it and new people get to play it. But if we can get to 95K, that's like a playoff kind of solo mode where you can basically do your own tournaments and stuff, which is kind of fun, too. Oh, that. I will be definitely helping us reach that then today. Wicked. Yeah, so <laughs> every dollar helps. I mean, if there are backers that are listening and stuff and you've backed the game for 25 bucks to make sure that you just get it in advance and be part of that beta process, you know, just honestly make it $26. That helps. We have you know, like 1,600 backers or something like that. And if everybody just donated a dollar, that's another 1,600 bucks. It's kind of easy to donate a buck and be kind of part of that whole kind of yeah. crowdfunding mentality. That's what it's exactly. all about. So, but, I mean, my favorite reward that wasn't going to get in until I got on the campaign was the Genesis case. I was like, man, we need a Genesis case. And we need some of those cards and we need some of the, the stuff in yeah. there because I want to see that on the shelf. And, you know, it is by far one of our most popular tiers above and beyond just the game itself. So it's really so what's cool the backer it. level for that so people know what to donate to get the Genesis case? Uh, 65 bucks. That's all you got to do. That's it? 65 bucks. You get the game, of course. Uh, it's a retro Genesis case. You get an old school game manual, which, you know, are gone these days. You've got to look okay. it up online or download it. Right. You get an <laughs> MFL poster. You get a pack of trading cards. Um, it's, it's, there's a signed signature card by Michael Mentheim, who's the creator of the original and this, of course, and you get the whole like digital value pack, which has a, has an art book in it, plus the soundtrack, plus the game. So it's really like my favorite tier. And I don't think it's like overpriced. We were talking about pricing it closer to 75, but because the PC, uh, version of that has a box and an actual, uh, DRM DVD of the game. So an actual physical version of it. Says, you know what? Let's make it easier. Let's let all the retromaniacs kind of get in there and not uh, not kind of bleed them too dry on this because I think it's a real nice sweet spot in terms of pricing for that reward. Heck yeah! You got to figure most special editions that come out today yeah. usually start at about ninety nine dollars and go up from there. So I mean, a yeah. new game is fifty nine ninety nine anyway, sixty five bucks, and you get this whole slew of other stuff with it. I mean, that's a no brainer. Yeah, and that's what we try to do on Kickstarter, right? Like I said, I've done a number of campaigns right now. You can't gouge somebody, especially like for my film stuff, right? I'm not going to ask somebody to get a digital version of one of my films for 25 or $30. Like it's just, it's not consumer friendly, right? Like I know that we all need the money to do the project or it doesn't exist. 
and that kind of artists, you know, cry for help. Right. But it's got to be consumer friendly. You got, you know what it's like to buy movies and you wouldn't pay $25 for a digital download. You would pay $10 or $15 depending on the project. For a DVD, okay, 25 bucks. For a Blu-ray, maybe 30 40 depending on the extra stuff that comes with it. So I'm all about the value adds that I like to make sure when I'm part of these campaigns and when I'm campaign managing for them that if we're going to introduce something, it really has to make sense for people. It really needs to justify those dollars because I want to I want to buy it too, and I'm not going to put something on a page that I don't feel that there's value in it. And I'm not always right. right. We adjust prices here and there, or or include new reward tiers as you know fans demand it, like we have for Mutant Football League. But it's all about trying to make it an easy kind of sale because it's still kind of new to a lot of people. It's a five billion dollar industry, believe it or not. Right. Yeah. But it's still new to a lot of people. The only industry that wasn't affected when the economy went to crap. Video game sales dipped not at all. Yeah. Well, I, I sweet, believe the adult, sweet escapism. I believe the adult entertainment industry went up quite a bit. <laughs> so, um, what's this new project you were talking about with the retro box art? Because that piques my interest, yeah. man. I, I grew Absolutely. up with loving yeah, there's, getting that there's, new game. I mean, when you're talking to me, I got so many cool kind of pop culture things. I'm very blessed to have a lot of supporters. I mean, Jason, as you know, I got my He-Man documentary that's coming out hopefully sometime later this yeah, year. Yeah, man. So we can talk about that kind of update. But last year in, in April, I ran a Kickstarter for uh, a documentary on video game box art illustrators because I basically wanted to know who these people were and hear the stories behind the covers we love and find out, you know, why the covers looked the way that they did, if there was any interesting stories and who these people were that, that drew them because we're already in an age where we're getting a lot of digital art and we, and they're done by entire teams. These right. box covers kind of up until about 95 or so, but we, we cover stuff post 95. They were essentially done by like one person. It's like a by hand too, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a painting for the most part that gets kind of, you know, resize to fit a box. And there's a whole process involved. In, and these people are never going to get the credit that they're due unless you're an industry guy from 30 years ago that just happens to know. So right. like Nintendo Quest, like uh, the He-Man documentary, there's this 30-year kind of bubble that I look back on. And as I start making these films, it's like there's so much stuff that people don't know and that's not out there. And I don't want to say like I'm on some sort of crusade to to just, you know, to right the wrongs of yesteryear. But it's like... This is at least one way that the information gets passed on for the current audience and stuff. So it, yeah, started, out, it started out as a 90-minute documentary, basically looking at every era of gaming and trying to find some of the different artists that were out there. Well, when we started doing our research, we quickly started talking to people, and one door opened another and another, like a Russian doll puzzle. And we ended up with about 150 participants that were willing to come on board. Wow. And that, so then you start doing the math, and you, as a filmmaker, you know, you have to introduce the concept, and then there are other segues and stuff that you got to do, and you're like, how am I going to have, like, 150 people in a 90-minute film and still be able to, like, kind of tell a story? Well, you can't, right? It's, it's, it's not really fair to talk to all these people and have one soundbite. So I changed the entire format, and I made it a series. So we went from nice. a minute documentary to a six-episode season one, we're in post-production on it now. We have people from the Atari era, uh, a lot of people from the NES era, people from the PC side of stuff. We talk about uh, both foreign and domestic box art covers, and we talk about the digital age before and after, kind of Photoshop changed everything. Uh, and we go to places like E3 to talk to people. We 
we go to the homes of these artists and we've seen, we filmed like probably close to like 300 original pieces of art. Oh, uh, wow. Of everything. And, and as an NES fan, man, you're going to, you're going to like, you better just sit on the toilet watching this because it's going to be full <laughs> by the time you're done. I've seen like original art for Snow Brothers, DuckTales 2, Little Samson, Panic Restaurant. <laughs> You're like, what? I'm telling you right now, you don't know what this stuff looks like until you see it like 24 by 36, completely popping off the Illustrator board with right. no graphics or title on it. And like when you realize what it looks like and what they put on the box, a lot of it is cropped and there's stuff yeah. that's missing. And on some of the Illustrator boards, you see like sketches of little characters and stuff like I think Mega Man X7 or something like that had a character that was drawn in there, but it, they just never painted him in there, but you can still see the sketch marks for him. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's really crazy. So I'd like to see that full-sized Castlevania 1, the Simon Belmont looking up at the castle mm-hmm. with the whip hanging down. Some cool stuff, man. We, we talked to Tom Dubois, who uh, did a lot of Konami art, so we've seen a lot of that stuff, Turtles in Time, Blades of Steel, you know, Castlevania stuff. Wow. It's, it's amazing. We And in fact, Castlevania 4, I have, and we're going to show it in, in the, I don't know why I wouldn't show it in, in the series, but like I said, we're in post-production, so we're still sorting it out. We have the sketches, like the, the final kind of sketch for Castlevania 4, and then an alternate final sketch for Castlevania 4. So like, it represents that final mo- moment where the, the publisher and developer said, let's go with A instead of B. Because both were so tightly drawn, and you could see both right. on a cover, and for whatever reason, they chose the one over the other. Well, at least we'll get to see the variant. I mean, I yeah. love variant covers. That's the cool <laughs> stuff, right? Because I'm a fan just like you guys. I'm a collector. I love all that stuff. So, like, I'm drooling as I'm seeing, like, these sketches that show the progress that are, like, really loose and just, like, rough shapes. And then you see them get more and more and more defined, and then all of a sudden, bam, there's, like, the final one, and then it goes to art. Right. You know, it's it's really cool to see that process and be able to share that with people. But we've got uh you know, guys like Brom who did, you know, Doom Two and and Diablo yep. We've got uh Al Lowe who was one of the developers on Leisure Shoot Larry, so talking to him about, you know, how do you create a box cover for an adult themed kind of game and put it on a shelf of a toy store. You know, these are all just different uh, aspects. We talked to uh, Tim Gervin of Gervin and Associates, who was responsible for all the packaging for Nintendo from the late NES stuff all the way through Super Nintendo, Virtual Boy, Game Boy, and on. So he wow. was, him and his company was the one that decided to take video game boxes for Nintendo and go from a portrait to a landscape orientation on Super Nintendo. Yeah. So now, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So I can definitively tell you why they did that, and you'll see it within the documentary. I think I still have a Donkey Kong Country case around here somewhere. Yeah, but, the, but they're all landscape-oriented yeah. instead of portrait. Exactly. And there's some very smart reasons for doing that. But it's like, okay, wait a second. Why is that happening? And I've talked to illustrators that were like, they got the call at the last minute, like, oh, yeah, we need this in landscape orientation. Can you fix it? Or is there something we can crop that you've already done? So like, they, they painted a portrait and then they had to turn it around or repaint it and stuff. So some really cool, some really cool stuff uh, for that series. And we hope that it'll be out. Uh, we promised our Kickstarter backers December 2018, but we're already in post-production on it. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of, you know, paying the bills for other projects and kind of getting other things going. So we have a lot of time, which is good, and we're not going to be rushed. But yeah, six episodes, season one. And there should be about like 15 guys in there, and we have 150 participants. So if that goes well, 
season two, season three, season four. It Heck just yeah, man. It won't end until people basically don't want it anymore. Yeah. So are you guys going to put it up anywhere, or is it just going to be through DVD sales once it's done? We're going to shop it to a distributor, just like we did with Nintendo Quest. So uh-huh. uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Nintendo Quest or if your listeners are at all, but I, I basically dared my best buddy Jay to get every single original NES game in 30 days without using the Internet. So we crisscrossed around North America and turned it into a 90-minute documentary. We sold it to distributors, and now it's, like, you know, all over the world. And all over, yeah. 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 It's doing incredibly well in Germany. It's actually playing theatrically, from what I understand, over there. <laughs> So I'm like the Hasselhoff of Germany right now. I was about to say you got Hasselhoff. Yeah, yeah. It's uh and we have there's a big sale for Nintendo Quest coming too that we'll be able to share soon. We did a follow-up series as well that's uh eight episodes where we tour the film around and Jay and I, you know, combat each other in a little friendly game hunting as well back across North America called the Power Tour. People can check that out on NintendoQuest.com and they'll have a chance to see it uh somewhere easier soon too as well. Just got to sign the paperwork. Um so that's we, awesome. we sold that everywhere because that's kind of what you do when you're a professional filmmaker, right? Like you, you sell it to a distributor and then they put it on shelves. They make sure that it's on iTunes, Amazon. And then we right. look at stuff like Netflix and Amazon Prime streaming and Hulu and stuff like that. And Nintendo Quest has been all, on all those things and because our partners have been extremely happy with the results of that. They're all very interested in box art as well. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's even better then. Yeah, and the He-Man documentary, like, same kind of thing, right? Like, we're shopping it already. A cut exists. And uh, we, I can announce this for any He-Fans out there. Um, yes. We've said from the beginning that there's going to be, like, a broadcast, kind of casual cut, which is, like, 90 minutes to, uh, to 100 minutes, something like that, for the layperson that isn't, like, a He-Fanatic. But on our Kickstarter, we kind of basically said we're going to do, like, a huge fan cut and have all these different modules, so it's, like, extended content. Well, what we've decided amongst the team is... Instead of just having like a bunch of bonus features that you just click through and watch, why don't we do a TV series? So we've started basically taking all the, all these different ideas and like looking at the comics, looking at different aspects of the action figures, the different versions of the action figures, and instead of just having these random kind of modules to actually build like a TV show, probably like six, eight, maybe ten episodes, depending on how the content works, so that it actually feels like a cohesive, in-depth look at everything Masters of the Universe that doesn't necessarily fit into that casual layperson cut. That's amazeballs. Yeah, and it'll have a different feeling. You'll see some of the same footage, of course, that's in the 90-minute cut, but like as a huge fan like me, this is what I always wanted to do. I wanted an in-depth, very like intelligent approach to the stuff that we love, the process of creating action figures, sculpting, putting some of these special features in there, to how do you create animation? How, how do those animators work, especially like in filmation where they reused a lot of stuff and what was that process? And, you know, how do you write these stories and what makes these stories unique? Like really getting into the nuts and bolts of this stuff. So right. it, it's super fascinating. Like put it this way. I've seen a five hour cut of what will eventually become the 90 minute cut. And that's where I was talking to the team. I'm like, guys, we need to expand this content, add a little bit more that won't be seen anywhere segue use fair use with our attorney's approval and really tell the story oh that's awesome and when does that one come out that should come out hopefully later this year like i said a cut is already being shopped around so it's just a matter of us finding a home for it and the lawyers doing the paperwork and us finishing it off that can take anywhere from you know like if we had like a an approved person like a monday could take a month 
plus shopping time and all that stuff. So anywhere from like one month to six months, depending on where it kind of lands in the legal process. So right. uh, we're very hopeful that it will be out for fans at least one of the versions by the end of the year, which is what we promised on, on Kickstarter. So we're ahead of the curve in some respects. Awesome. Do you ever show this stuff around at cons? Do you do a con circuit or? Yeah, I mean, uh, for Nintendo Quest, I toured relentlessly. And then, like, for Nintendo Quest as well with that follow-up series where Jay and I were daring each other to try to essentially collect 10 games before the other guy without knowing what was on each other's list. Um, we, toured, we toured Nintendo Quest theatrically to 15 cities across North America. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of public exhibition. You can't just finish something and put it on a shelf or hope somebody buys it. You have to do the promotional work. You have to do the marketing. And right. you've, got to, you've got to go to the cons. I love the cons. I know, um, you know, Game On Expo in Mesa, and now it's going to the Phoenix Convention Center next year. I know Game 31 really well, and so he's... I used to live out there. Yeah, there you go, brother. Right before we got on, I was talking about that. I lived in Tempe, so I used to go to Mesa okay. and Tempe a lot. Yeah. So, out by Apache Junction. Those guys are great. I've been to the Portland Retro Gaming Expo a number of times. Um you know, there's there's no end of cons that take this stuff to. MAGFest is forever reaching out for me to come and showcase stuff. Uh, SoCal uh, Retro Gaming Expo is a newer one. They wanted me out there. And Southern Fried Gaming Expo was one that reached out as well to have me involved. There's just a lot. And so there's no shortage of options. It's really great. It's just a matter of how much can one afford the travel for the yield right. to show something and, and sell discs at the same time. So That's awesome, man. It is. All right, so I've got to ask. Uh, I know everybody listening won't actually be seeing the video, but we're doing a, a video chat. And Here right behind you, there is, is that, that's Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah, Muppet right Treasure Island. Yeah, that is one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, and my kids, I got to show them <clears throat> that movie. And, yeah. So, are you a fan? Did you? Dude. So... <laughs> I don't know. I don't. So there's some Muppet stuff there. Oh, nice. There's some. There's a Kermit right there. There's Jim Henson's autograph there. I got Frank Oz's autograph. Oh my goodness. You know, there's there's just everything around here, guys. Yeah. Is that a is that a Ninja Turtles poster for the first movie? No. Yeah. Down here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I saw a thing uh, when I was doing research uh, on everything. I saw that says something about Jim Henson and Ducktales, and I was like, "That's my dude." <laughs> well, that's that's who I am, man. Like to a T, I love Masters of the Universe, Jim Henson, Ducktales, and everything and anything in between, man. Like it's just like God. I got like this stuff over here too. Like all these oh, little wow. busts, oh, Dark nice. Crystal and oh, He Man bus. Like it, everywhere you look, man, you can't. Just, there's just stuff everywhere. That's why I was telling you, you got to get to Atlanta, man. We got the Center for Puppetry Art. Dude, I was there in August. It was so awesome. I lost my cool. It was so like I, I can't even speak about it. That's how blown away I am right now, man. Did they have the labyrinth and the dark crystal stuff yet? They did have some of the stuff in the in the uh, in the in the Henson section, but they hadn't opened the labyrinth exhibit yet. So that opened. Dude, up you need to come back. I, I'll be back before September. There's a there's a film That's festival crazy. I'm going to submit to just so I can go back. Where at? Uh, in Atlanta. It's uh it's the Atlanta Underground Film Festival. I had another film I did called Missing yeah. Mom. Uh, Missing Mom played there and won Best Documentary, and then I won Best Director at uh, uh, the the Doc DocuFest there too. So congrats, man. Well, let me know. 
Yeah, we'll I'm definitely. 20 minutes from there, man. I'm 20 minutes from Atlanta. Oh, we'll definitely hang out then, man. We'll definitely. Yeah. Hang out. I, I have to show you that labyrinth and the dark crystal exhibit, man. I walked in and just jaw on the floor. I'm like, they have gelflings. They have gelflings. <laughs> they didn't have like, any of the gelflings when I was there, I don't think. They just they had Audra, and they had a Gartham, and they had Fizzgate. They still have those, but now they have gelflings. Ah, oh, that's hot. The labyrinth exhibit. <laughs> the labyrinth exhibit. The no, throne no, in the. No spoilers. No spoilers. I can't do any spoilers. Just know if you like Skeksis, you're gonna lose your mind. We'll put it okay, that way. Go. Yeah, they've bit. added a bunch. too many smiles. <laughs> too many smiles right now. Oh my god, dude! I walked in there and they were still finishing. Like I said, the labyrinth exhibit, but they had Jareth throne from Chris. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I just, like, I couldn't, like, I lost all muscle function in, in my face. And the girl's like, are you okay? I'm like, uh-huh, I'm good. She's like, do you want to sit in the throne? I'm like, I can sit in the throne? She's like, yes. yeah. And I'll take yes, your picture. I'm like, yes, you will take my picture in the throne. I am the Goblin King. <laughs> I did, yeah, I was bad. So, like, here I am. I'm a grown man, right, in a room designed to for children. <laughs> Nonsense. You stop that crap right now. You are not a grown man. You do not have to label yourself with anything. If you're not a there, child, you're not a friend. There was a point where I almost hand-pushed a five-year-old out of the way by the skull to look at something. <laughs> like, like singing dance magic dance and thinking about assaulting children just to get a better look at things. <laughs> when I went in there, it was, I think it was like a Friday morning. And there was a there was like a field trip going through there, and the staff could tell that I was like really enamored, clearly from my last story. And they're like, "Oh, don't worry, the, the kids will go through quick. They, they don't really pay attention to a lot of the stuff. They just kind of like to say hi to their friends and then they leave." I'm like, "Okay." They're like, "Yeah, you'll have you'll have a lot of time. Don't worry, we we can leave you alone." <laughs> okay. I'm like, what do you think That's I'm gonna awesome. do in here? They're like, "You do whatever you gotta do." That's awesome. Yeah, man, they've got um, they've got Hoggle. <sighs> and they've got moon. okay no more spoilers just stop, stop. I'm sold just trying it. to get you here man so we Dude, can go and do this up. you don't have to twist my arm I'm going to come I need to go like, it's not like it's not like well maybe like no I will be there Atlanta's only like a two and a half hour flight or something it's it's easy for me and speaking yeah. of which here too we've got this place called Flashback Games oh yeah and it's um, you buy a wristband. It's like ten bucks. You can stay all day. They've got a snack. You don't even need to leave to eat. And what it is is they've got these banks of monitors. You can play on any console that ever existed, all the way up to a one and a four. Okay. But the rest of it is all these free to play, as many retro arcade games as you can try to possibly remember. Oh wow! And it's like ten, fifteen bucks for a full day pass. Oh really? You get the wristband. You can leave. And then come back. Come you back. have from when they open to close that day. That's awesome. Ah. And once you pay smart, to get right? in, all the games are free. They did that smart with like food on the premises. They're like, we can make some money off food, and we will keep everyone here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is it crazy busy though? Like, is it a nightmare? You know what? It all depends on the day. If you know their business cycle, and you just want to go in with friends and just jam for a little while, you pick like a weekday in the evening. Sure. And no, everything's up and running. They open it all just like it was a Saturday, but you've got all the time in the world and the space. And then in the corner, they have these tables, right? And they decoupaged them with old comic books. Oh, nice. Sealed it in. And you can board game and card game there as much as you want. They took a jukebox, and that's what you play Guitar Hero in. 
a functioning oh, jukebox man. with the monitor oh, in the, yeah, oh, it's, it's an awesome place for like 10, hey. 15 bucks. So here's a question for you, since you're a kind of Atlanta native. Have you checked out Dragon Con? Every year. So Brian Henson was there like last year, and it killed me not to go. <laughs> I'm like, why do I have to work this weekend? Like, it was like a gig that was going to pay me like five grand for a day and a half of work, and how do you say no to that? But it's like, <laughs> Brian Henson might make me say no to that. It's like, yeah. oh. I was going to say, dude, you come do Dragon Con, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll buy my tickets. I'll go with you. Oh, we, we we got MomoCon too. We're, we're, Atlanta's taking off, man. It's it's yeah. the place to be right now. Oh man, hot Atlanta, love it. I I am literally a five minute drive, like literally, because they're filming it in my town, Nor, uh, Norcross, Georgia. I'm like five minutes away from one of the sets for Infinity War right now. Okay, so I get it. You're better than me. I understand. No, right? no, 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 no. But, no, but here's no, the thing. Okay. You're yeah, they yeah. set up. They set up all these Connex trailers. Outside, they have like these weird shaped walls so that they can do the filming, but you can't see it. But yeah, it's it's Infinity War, and it's like five minutes from my house. It 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 kills me to not be able to be like, look, do you know how long I've loved this stuff? Just let me see it, and then you know you get arrested and you lose your job and all that stuff. But you know, you know what? I'll just take my little dolly action figure movies, my little video game art movies, and I'll just go away. And you just tell me how awesome Atlanta is. How about that? No, 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 dude. I'm actually more into what you do. Big budget Hollywood's dead, man. Other than Marvel movies and, and, you know, DC, if they can quit crap in the bed, they might put out a good movie, you know, but. Well, there's heart in everything I do. I promise you that. And what I do, I definitely, I don't get rich on. I, I barely get by every year doing what I do, but I wouldn't live any other way. It's a blessing and a curse to live and work for yourself and to do the projects you love and. You know, um, I'm more than happy to keep doing all this stuff as long as people keep uh, asking for it and, and supporting the cause and being part Heck of it. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, Look, we'll, we'll, we'll put it this way. I see a new Star Wars movie and I'm like, ooh, Star Wars. I see a new Marvel movie and I'm like, ooh, Marvel. I see somebody take the time to bring me the He-Man universe. Goosebumps, dude. Like that's <laughs> yeah. like somebody I could talk DuckTales with. That is cooler than anything else that's out there right now. David Tennant is Scrooge McDuck. I know. (laughs) Now when can we get Darkwing back? We need a Darkwing reboot. Dude, Darkwing. I'll do it it right now. Let's get dangerous. Come on, DW. I'll do it right now. (laughs) Man, I haven't seen that show forever. That's so good. Yeah, give me the afternoon back right now. That's what I want. Gummy bears. Exactly. Here and there and everywhere with their high adventures beyond compare. I want some gummy bears. Oh, Prince Dookie. (laughs) Oh, Tom, what? (laughs) It's those bears. I love that stuff, man. I, that's my bread and butter. This podcast is completely off the rails. It's just yes. it's divulged. It <laughs> we haven't even touched Muppet like... Babies yet, dude. Uh, uh, oh, no. <laughs> the Muppet Babies. Clearly I might gonna... actually sign off this episode with... <laughs> you guys are just going to have to have me back to talk about our favorite cartoons growing up and why they've resonated oh. for 30 years. Oh, my years. God. Anytime you want. Yeah, as I say, you, you know how to get a hold day. of you know how to get a hold of me. So, all right. Make me a calendar on Google, right? Let me see when you're home, and I will call you podcast or not, and we will talk in <laughs> cartoons. Yeah, okay, so the podcast has just become a reason to talk yeah. about cartoons. 
because then we can do it professionally. I'm well, pretty sure that's why we do this. <laughs> it is. We were talking about it. We're like, okay, the world is really negative. Me and you are going to be this. We're going to launch this content creation on our own, yeah. completely independent. And what we're going to do is we're going to build a community full of people, and it's all going to be the positive stuff that makes us happy. Because screw the world. Pop culture <laughs> is escapism. Let's celebrate the escapism and yeah. bring other people in. You know? Be happy and enjoy it. Yeah. Well, back, you know, I, I hear a lot time. of people saying that kind of stuff too. So kudos to you guys for, you know, stepping up and, and trying to throw some good stuff back in there. As far as the negative stuff, man, that stuff fades away when you're busy doing what you love and you don't have time mm-hmm. to pay attention to the news and the crap on Facebook or Twitter and stuff like that. For real. When you Absolutely. tune that stuff out, man, your day brightens up infinitely. And then you can focus on what really matters in your heart. Because once you start following your heart, it doesn't matter what's going on and nobody can slow you down. Exactly. You want to hear something crazy, right? So last night, we've got people over. You know what we spent the whole night doing? Couldn't find anything to watch the TV. We jumped on YouTube, watched all these batch (laughs) videos of commercials from the 80s, 70s, and 90s. And just like till like one in the morning, just had this huge (laughs) nostalgia fest. Nobody upset. Politics never came up. Smiles and just happy childhood memories for like four hours. That's wicked. My uh, my buddy in the UK just found uh, uh, like a treasure trove of old like wrestling tapes from like WWF back in the day, oh, and he put them on. And he's a huge VHS fan, so he's like, "Oh my god!" Like he found them in his mom's attic or something. And he just put them on. He's like, "Okay, the matches are great," but he just kept fast forwarding to watch all the different commercials. Right. He's like yeah. the, the brand new <laughs> Toyota Camry, re- redefining automobiles for the future and beyond. And beyond. <laughs> it's just like the future and beyond. And so he just kept telling me about all these different commercials. But he's like, "Yeah, that's what he did all night. He just let it play." And I, uh, my uncle, who's always been like a great influence on me, like huge rocker, grew up like playing in bands and stuff. He's a drummer. He used to tape much music, which in Canada is like MTV in the U.S. Yeah. He's got literally probably a hundred tapes of just taping much music all day long, like six hour tapes. So he's got like 600 hours of nonstop That's music awesome. videos, commercials, power hour, like all our different beats. <laughs> and it's like so Canadian too, which is like hilarious. So you get well, that's what it's all about. Yeah, man. Yeah, true story, eh? <laughs> all about. Um, I'm going to go out and about to the houseboat and go out on an adventure and play some hockey, bud. Well, look, I'm, <laughs> I'm originally from Boston, okay? So I get to Pac Con, have a yacht every time people down here find out where I'm from. So, You son of a bitch. Listen to you. You're, you've got two different accents, don't you? On one weekend, you're on the North Shore, and then on the, on the other weekend, you come down to Southie. Yeah, I see the game you're playing there. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple. I I I do it in my wife when we're in public, and it's really aggravating because I, I go in and out of them really quickly now. You know, I can go from different regions of the world there and 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 get around, and it drives her crazy. But what's crazy is when I talk to people down here, I can get like real like this real fast when I talk to them. But then I talk to my parents up north, and like ten or fifteen minutes later, here it is. Yeah, there you, you know, go. It just happens. <laughs> but I swear, dude, I have boxes of VHS that was just 120 minutes with Matt Pinfield. Just uh, boxes somewhere up in Massachusetts. Well, you got to get them. those, man, and you got to put them on YouTube and talk about them and stuff like that and share them with the world. Like, I think I have the world premiere of Sweet Dreams by Marilyn Manson that was on 120 minutes. The first time the mainstream world was like, what the crap is that? You stay away from him. He's obviously the devil. No, no, no. He's just a man who really needs a lot of attention and can sing. 
Well, <laughs> he's the new shock rock, right? So Manson's great. Yeah. He's still great. I don't know if you guys have listened to his latest album, The Pale Emperor. Oh, I haven't. You know what? I got really into Portrait of an American Family when it came out. Okay. Really into it, and I still get some of those songs stuck in my head. So here's something that you might know then. This is a shot. This is kind of one of those shots I'm going to throw out there for one of my other projects. I'm doing a, a rock biopic on kitties. Brackish. Yeah. yeah, so like I grew up in the same town with Morgan and Mercedes. Like we're all from the same place. Like I live like three blocks away from them. Oh, wow. And uh, so that film should come out very soon because we're actually looking at the paperwork now with our distributor. And as soon as we sign, it's just about giving them uh the, the film but yeah i mean those guys are like you know canadian kind of icons because they have a gold record which is impossible yep. for people to get they co-headlined Ozfest. you know it's just they have a great story so it follows like what it's like to be teenagers and have that dream of being rock stars and having to navigate that hurricane of ups and downs of industry bs and what you're willing to do to have that dream and and at the cost of maybe who you are so it's, it's a great documentary Man, I'll tell you what, my, my first kitty experience, right? So I have this friend, Jeff Powers, back, back in Massachusetts, and we used to try to find bands to blow each other's minds with. Uh-huh. So, like, eighth grade, I brought him. It was this little demo. It was three songs from this new band called Corn. They didn't even have an album out yet. It was like Blind, Shoots and Ladders, and I think, I know we're family friendly, but it's the name of the song. I think it was Faggot. You know, and then because that album was no holds barred. It wasn't so PC oh, yeah. back then. You could have a song called Fact and, and nobody was like, oh, my God. You know, yeah. like it, it was, was metal. Song. That song is amazing. Right. So yeah. then he comes back to me and he's like, I want you to listen to this song called Chicken Hunting. Right. Okay. <laughs> I get introduced to Insane Clown Posse and I'm like, this stuff's a little crazy for me. But, yeah, it's cool. So then I find Deftones. Right. Uh-huh. And I, I show him Deftones. I played for real for him. I played board. I played. Um, I found the Adrenaline album. We played it one day going to Canada because you can do things at 18 in Canada that you can't in Massachusetts. Like, you know, French fries and gravy. I swear it was a completely and, innocent and, trip. And cheese. And cheese. That's it. Right. Poutine. Poutine. Yeah. No. So, like, he, cu- he gets in my car one day and he's like, you have to listen to this. You have to listen to this. I'm like, all right, so... I put it in the stereo, and we all had systems, but we, we would work on each other's cars. Remember when amps were a thing to put in your car yeah. underneath the yeah. seat? Of course right. they were, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, well, l- let me listen. And, and we, we listen to, like, hip-hop and, and hardcore and punk, and I was in a punk and hardcore band in Massachusetts. And um, so it's... And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, so it's good. And then yeah. this little girl's voice comes on, and I don't mean it insultingly because they, I swear it was genius to have her sing before. So, you know, she is not scared to cry. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. There's like another hole. And then all of a sudden that, she's a martial, martial. I was like, that's a girl doing? And my mind was just like, kaboom. It blows awesome, your mind. right? Bought the album as soon as I could. So, yeah, I love them. I saw Wait, that on the site and was like, is that the band, Kitty? Like, it that's balls. Yeah. So clearly we have to be friends forever. You just seem to like every project I do, and this is the only podcast I've been able to plug almost everything I've got coming out. Dude, that's oh, why yeah. I reached out. I like <laughs> it is. Holy yeah. crap. Now all the different He Man, Nintendo, Box Art, video games. Yes. Just all the different projects you have going. I like seeing the passion and the heart you have for all these different things and bringing them together. Like the Nintendo Quest, even, or talking about the box art and seeing all that, and then all the way to Kitty, 
and He-Man. And yeah, no, it's, it's awesome to see someone following that passion, taking that drive and just trying to bring their passion to the world and show everybody. It's yeah, awesome, man. Man. It's, it's just about following your heart, man. And that's just like mutant football league. If I didn't love the series and if I didn't think the team was good, I wouldn't be a part of it. No matter how, you know, how many Kickstarters, you know, I've, I've done and teams I've worked with it. It has to appeal to me as a fan. And that's why I do all these stories. I mean, even that film that I won Best Documentary and Best Director at in Atlanta, Missing Mom. Yeah, yeah, talk about that one. That one looks really intriguing. So essentially my brother and I hit the road in an attempt to try to find our mom who's been missing for almost 25 years. And, you know, she, Holy crap. she was there one day and then she wasn't there. And it was a taboo subject like a lot of families have. And nobody had ever asked the question and I was inspired by Nintendo quest. I'm like, everybody said that would be kind of crazy, you know, to even attempt, let alone film. And I thought, what could I do that would be worthy of filming that would be borderline impossible in people's minds. And I was sitting there playing child delight, a Ubisoft. game. I love that game. Yeah, I know. And so you have the, the character, uh, Aurora trying to get back to her dad and, you know, she comes across all these different obstacles and these fantastic, very Jim Henson like settings. And mm-hmm. I was like, I should try to find my mom. Wouldn't that be crazy? And of course, you know, my entire family was kind of against it from the get go. And they were really against it once they saw the trailer that I had cut. But, uh, you know, we basically just decided we had nothing to lose because the question had never been asked. So it's, right, exactly. it's a really raw, unfiltered look at, my brother and I asking the hardest questions possible of all our family members and discovering the truth of our past and where those half truths and distorted truths lie and where they line up. And it's a super therapeutic process, man, because you talk to these people one-on-one and then you get to combine what everybody's perspectives of of the stories are. And nobody's lying, but nobody's telling the truth. And so like the truth is between the lines. So you'll hear people say slightly different things. And as an audience member, you start to kind of play detective along with my, my brother and I. We basically follow like a series of breadcrumbs that take us all over Ontario. You know, I you know, flew from Vegas to kind of start this journey, and he's from like eight hours north of Winnipeg, which is like where the ice roads start in Canada. Yeah. So it, was like, it was a big trek for us to come and, and kind of start doing it. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's, it's won awards in Copenhagen, uh, Auckland, New Zealand. Atlanta, wow. It's won awards in Canada. We've, we've won awards in, I think, eight or nine different festivals that it's played in. So it's playing in Kiev next month. Is that, does that happen to be on Netflix or Amazon Prime or anything like that? Not yet, because we're still on the festival circuit, and it's hard for festival right. people to kind of get, you know, people to come and check out the films that are playing and get butts and seats if people can just stay at home and watch that. So uh, once our festival kind of era ends, then we'll basically be pursuing different distribution options. So soon. But there, there's a beauty to that project, man. Thanks. Yeah. Like, a, you know, something that 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 tragic in someone's life and, and to turn it around and make it something that positive that well, there, 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 there's beauty yeah. in that dude. It's, it's, it's honestly comes from the same place as like Nintendo quest, which is a very human story that just happens to be about video games, which is exactly what he man is, is, is like, sure. It's about action figures in this mega brand, but it's about the people that made it possible and who these people are, which is exactly like box art, which is exactly like kitty. Like what is that underlying human emotion that is universal yeah. to all of us? That makes right. us wonder, oh, what would I do in that situation? How would I handle that? Like, okay, whether this is rock and roll or animation or video games, it's like, how do I feel about this? And that's what 
I like to do to make people connect to the source material. Sure, on the surface, it's like, I love video games. I want to watch this. But it's like, wow, I try to give people a reason to come away with something far more than they ever expected. Exactly. I mean, look at the conversation we had, man. Generating that much positivity in people with the way the world is today, this is what needs to be made. This is the content that needs to be created. The stuff you're doing, and hopefully, like, the stuff we're doing catches on because it does inspire happiness and positivity in such a dark, dreary world for the most part, you know? Like, what we do is important. You know, it is people important. can say, oh, look at the, oh, look, oh, well, I'm going to carve out my own niche. No, I am going to carve out my own niche because you know what? Stuff makes me happy and it's going to make other people happy and it needs to be out there because there's yeah, enough of the crap. Absolutely. We need to bring the light, you know? I agree, man. Seriously. There's too much dark side. There's way too much dark side if you let it consume you. Like, seriously. And that sounds like a weird Star Wars kind of reference, but it's, it's true. You got to. But it's yeah. true. You gotta stay, yep. you know, pointed towards the light and do the things that make you happy and not worry about the results. Don't make posts on Facebook because you want to get a hundred likes and you feel less valuable if you don't get it. Don't do podcasts because you want to have like record breaking listenership. Do it because you love yeah. it. And then people will see that passion, you know, and then they'll feel great. Exactly. So. Exactly. Because you take that one person having a really bad day. Yeah. You know, if our podcast goes out, we can put it on as many channels as we want. And we could have one listener, but if that one listener gets any joy out of it, makes it all you work. Know, then yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, you impact one person. It's crazy, too, man, because I won't tell you what happens at the end of Missing Mom, but, you know, I made the film for my reasons because I needed to, to at least try because nobody else in my family had tried. So I was successful no matter what the second I said I was going to do it. And, you know, people have seen the film, and I get messages pretty frequently, especially now that it's playing on the festival circuit, where people are picking up the phones and talking to people that they had a massive blow-up with, you know, a decade ago. And they're reconnecting because they saw the courage I had to at least ask the question. And, you know, I made the film for my reasons, and I don't need anybody else to like this stuff, whether it's Nintendo Quest, Missing Mom, Box Art, or He-Man. Right. But when you do get those kind of responses, it's like, wow, this is important and it makes me want to do more because if I like, how do you, how do you respond to that? It's like, I called my dad for the first time in 15 years. Like, that's great. And like, yeah, now we have a relationship and he gets to meet his grandson for the first time. Like, and all because, you know, I decided to do a movie that was like 85 minutes long. Yeah. It's yeah. But it's bringing life to people though, man. That's like a, that's, that's crazy. That's the best part. Yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy. So, you know, if anybody's listening that has a creative passion or wants to do something, definitely do it. Don't worry about failure. There is no failure if you decide to do something. Yeah, exactly. It's not failure until we decide to give up. Yeah. As long as you keep pushing and keep trying. In the words of Frank Oz, do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and it's true, man. Like, no matter how funny you have to make your voice to say that out loud, the principle of that sentence is so true. And you know what, man? Like, okay, so here's another personal thing before I got to get going. Um, yeah, man. My, uh, I just recently got separated from my wife uh, over Christmas, and it was a pretty tough thing. And like a lot of people that have marriages that, that fail, and I don't know your situation, guys, it was like, oh, man, my marriage has failed. And then I started thinking about that. It's like, well, what is success then? Like, it doesn't fail? So, like, if we live in a world where it's constantly success or fail, it is so unfair to who we are as, as humans. Like, I look back, and I'm like, no, my marriage was highly successful, but it doesn't mean it has to last forever. 
You know, you right. look at like athletes, right? Like most athletes have a prime kind of few years and then their numbers drop. And it's like, well, should they have gone on? Were they as successful as they were? Should they have retired early? Well, maybe, I don't know. Like look at Brett Favre or something like that. Should he have played for the Jets in Minnesota? I don't know. He loved doing it. You can't say his career wasn't successful, though, based on, you know, his uh, Oh, most definitely, yeah. So <laughs> the big takeaway for everyone listening is don't, you know, don't judge yourself a failure because something didn't work out the way you thought. Like, like I said, my marriage is over, but I look back and that is so successful, even though I'm not with my wife anymore. Like, it's a good deal. And you just got to understand that it's not yes or no. It's not black or white. There are so many, you know, in-betweens there. So let yourself off the hook, guys, and just keep pushing forward. Most definitely, man. Most definitely. But we need to talk to you again, dude. Okay. Absolutely. Most sure. definitely. All right. Here. Well, you know, keep an eye on that Kickstarter, everybody that's listening, and uh, help us get to Mutant Football League to to the big full season mode. And, you know, maybe next time on we can talk about where that, the progress is in that game or what's going on with the He-Man release, the Kitty release, or anything else that I apparently do or what I might be cooking up to. Heck anything yeah. and everything. Let's do it. Yeah, man. I'm, I, there, there, there might be some evenings where I call you and pretend that I'm actually recording, but we're just going to talk, you know, <laughs> the greatness, the greatness Don't. of what Fox Kids on Saturday used to be with a fresh box of Count Chocula and Eat the Cat coming on. There you go. And the tech, right. X-Men, yeah. Spider-Man. And leaving Solar friends, Solar. literally leaving friends on a Saturday morning because 11 o'clock a.m., X-Men was on Fox. There you go. I will be back outside, but I got to go. Yeah. Absolutely. X Men was my because it's the I'm... Phoenix Saga, and I'm not missing an episode. Oh man! But th- yeah, <laughs> here we go. Uh, but yeah. All right. Until next time. <laughs> all right, dude. All right, man. Thanks for coming so on. Much, it was great dude. to get to talk to you. Cool. Yeah, Cheers. man. All right. Later.